Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show, featuring Jason Zook. In uncertain times, we must change our focus and priorities This show will highlight social justice issues with the goal of expanding minds and increasing unity, love, and mutual respect for ourselves and our planet. We support the Black Lives Matter movement. Our show aspires to promote social spirituality, which simply means that by coming together, we can solve any of our problems, including the goal of bringing an end to all forms of hate, discrimination, bias, or oppression. We must protect our environment, reform our criminal justice system, and protect every citizen from police brutality. When we come together, it becomes possible to bridge the gaps that plague our society and divide us from within. We the people means everyone. Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show. This is Jason Zook. It's a great pleasure that I have the opportunity of welcoming me on special guest, Melissa Carroll. Melissa is a returning guest and a personal friend of mine. She's known as a yoga writer due to her blending of the use of mindfulness, yoga, and creative writing to help others. Melissa is an acclaimed writer, a certified yoga instructor, a Reiki master, and a meditation guide. She's the editor of the essay collection Going Om, Real Life Stories on and off the yoga mat. Carol's also the author of three poetry books and is a former creative writing professor. Melissa currently teaches an online course called The Holy Shift, which helps you share your story and get your message out in the world. And I'm very excited we're gonna talk about that today as one of the many things. Mm -hmm. Carol once suffered from anxiety and depression, but through the adoption of Reiki energy healing and yoga principles, she developed healthy coping mechanisms to effectively manage her anxiety and depression. Carol received her master in fine arts degree in creative writing from the University of South Florida. And her website is www.theyogawriter.com. It's a great pleasure that I welcome Melissa to the show. Welcome to the show, Melissa. Oh, thank you, Jason. I'm so happy to be here and to get to chat with you. This is fun. It's a pleasure. It really is. I know you've been on the show before, before we had COVID. Yep. And I, I asked most of my guests this, and, and I know you and I have been in touch, obviously, but I want to, for the, for the purpose of our audience, I'd like to see if you could just share your reflection on this past year and how it's changed your life. Oh, yes. <laughs> how much time do we have? No, just <laughs> kidding. Um, obviously, this year has been so incredibly 
radical for all of us on personal individual levels. And yet what is so remarkable is that 2020 and the pandemic has been this collective experience for pretty much everyone on the planet. There is rarely a soul that has gone untouched in some capacity by the pandemic. And I think that really sheds light on the interconnected nature of all of us and all of life. And it's one of those foundational pieces of wisdom that many traditions speak of, that we are inherently connected to one another, that as, as the old poet John Donne said, no man is an island. It's absolutely true. And yet so much of the time, we don't live our lives in alignment with that truth. And I feel like this past year, for some of us, has been a rude awakening to, to that truth. And it's been incredibly challenging for so many of us in so many different ways. And for me personally, I, I have been so fortunate in my life to see many positive sides of this incredibly challenging time for humanity. Um, and one of those blessings, those, those hidden blessings that hardship can afford us is that the time spent alone. I, I am really lucky to live in, I live on a farm, which is great. And uh, so I always have lots of chores to do anyway. So I wasn't bored for a second, but really the gift of aloneness and the gift of taking time to recognize what's truly important in my life and what needs to go had never become so apparent and so unavoidable. <laughs> Truly, I think for so many of us, right, boundary setting has been a huge theme for 2020 and, and now into 2021 because we no longer, for many of us, we don't have the bandwidth anymore to keep running like we used to pre-pandemic. Uh, I don't know about you, but I have been exhausted. <laughs> I've, I've struggled with grief I've, and still struggle with grief and, and I still struggle with anxiety uh, and and damn it, it's it's depleting. It's tiring. Yeah. I'll just say this. <laughs> this is the first time we've seen each other on a video call in a year. And we used to hang out a lot when you were in Tampa more. And so I'm just thinking about that, reflecting on it. The fact is, my first time actually seeing you in terms of a virtual way. I mean, we've talked on the phone, of course, but this is our first time seeing each other face to face to come on the podcast in a year. I mean, if you would have said that to me four years ago, I would have been like, you're crazy. What are you talking about, Melissa? We're going out to, you know, have food and catch up. And, you know, I mean, we have a we have a personal friendship. And so, yeah, as you're telling me this and I'm reflecting, thinking about it, I remember a couple of months ago in the hit in, you know, in the heat of the fall. When I was running low on toilet paper, I had four rolls left and I got anxious about that. And I'm like, why am I really that upset about toilet paper right now? This is ridiculous. There's plenty of toilet paper out there. And I think it's just, it goes in your mind, the control thing. If you can't have control over a lot of things like leaving the house when you want, being social, uh, you know, I, I have to call my, I don't want to change my name to the social distancing psychic. I'd rather just be <laughs> the social psychic and do it that way because being the social distancing psychic sucks and I'm ready to go back to real life. I mean, I, I've waited through this process like you have and I'm so mindful of everyone who suffered through this pandemic and I know you're aware of that too, but I'm making a little light of the fact that we've all suffered internally 
And I feel like we've all changed as a result of that, hopefully for the better. And I know from my position, and I know you and I've talked about this off camera, but I'm just sharing this with our audience. I feel like I've grown a lot spiritually because I, I did what you always talk about taking and ripping off the bandaid and peering into the darkness of your inner, your inner soul and really letting it shine and, and tackling those, you know, those issues that lie. And trust me, there's tons of those issues. Mental health is affecting everybody right now. Mm. And I'm just grateful that we are seeing some progress and some improvement in at least the virus maintenance and control for COVID. Now we've got to take care of all these other viruses that are out there plaguing our country and our world. And they're not just all biological. So, you know, it's, it's terrifying to think that we're in the middle of a pandemic and people are actually debating whether or not the virus is real. It's like, could you imagine being in the middle of the civil war and fighting at, you know, Gettysburg and people are like, are those cannonballs real? I think they're fake. I'm not going to take cover. I'm just going to let them hit me. They're not real. You know, you could get hit by a regular ball and it won't hurt you that much because of misinformation, you know, like. Right. 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 And so much of what you said is so poignant and so true. And there are these other collective shadow elements at play in our society right now um, that are being brought to the surface. And the last time I think I was on your show, we talked about shadow work because that's also something that I teach. And the the shadows that plague this country that you and I are both living in, but I know you have listeners from all over the world, but still racism is a shadow component that has seeped into our our society at every at every level at, at, in every country. And we're seeing those shadow aspects boil up to the surface, which have been pressurized by COVID. The pandemic has created this pressure cooker situation in a lot of ways where inequality and um, economic disparity has now risen to the surface in a way that has always been there, but that is now completely unavoidable. And we are forced as a collective to deal with the messes. Whereas in, in some ways for some communities, especially people of privilege like myself, it's been easier to kind of just go through the motions of daily life and not have it be so much in our faces. Now it is, and we have to address cope with it. it. We have to address right. it. I and say address it, rectify it, whatever that means and whatever we can do as a society to figure out how to get past these things. I was thinking that the other day, I don't mean to go off topic with you, but we're on this for a minute. I was thinking yesterday, like, what is it about racism that's so pervasive in our culture and, and around the world? It's not just the United States. I mean, you see the thing with the British family and what they're going through in the UK. And they're like our big brother, big sister, right, from across the pond. And then we're dealing with it. It's so endemic in our country. And I think you and I have talked about this in the past. We're both from New Jersey. You're from a different part of Jersey. But being in New Jersey, there's little bubbles and enclaves. We didn't realize it growing up. But my hometown had a little bubble. Your town likely had a bubble of where certain people lived and other people didn't live near you. And you didn't realize it. You just, it was like being in like, I'm trying to think, not the matrix, but you know, like almost like hunger games in a way we were in different districts and we were segregated based on which district we're from. And it's like that whole class, you know, class system, but caste systems more like it. You've always talked about the caste system in in India. I feel like we, we are obviously becoming more aware of that now in our own lives in our own time. And there's a lot of suffering going on. And that's why I hope, with our show today and other shows we'll do in the future, we can address at least the spiritual side of it and 
help people understand, you know, how to get past these issues, at least starting to by having a dialogue and recognizing them. That's the first part of everything that requires us moving forward. You can't fight science and you can't fight facts. <laughs> and that's right. what frustrates me more and more is when people come at me and they don't even have the facts right. And I'm thinking to myself, why are they doing this? What's causing this poison? Right. Um, you can well, tell it heats me up a little bit. <laughs> we could we could ex explore that too. Uh, it, what I have learned is that um, a lot of times people who are drawn toward the prevalent misinformation that is spreading like a virus, especially in the wellness communities, where uh, we feel this lack of control and we feel powerless. And what's interesting is that in the yoga philosophy, it's it's so brilliant because yoga is so much more than the postures and the philosophy is so in-depth and has been refined over the millennia. And the thing about human history is that human history is not devoid of plagues and war and division and suffering. And the ancient yogis understood suffering. And that's precisely why they cultivated this incredibly sophisticated form of healing and and growth and transformation um now of course uh you know, we can, this is these are big subjects and we can also talk about how yoga has been exported from india and spread throughout the globe and it's been commodified and here i am as a white person sharing this tradition that is not inherently my own from my own heritage um and at the same time, I want to call out the fundamental piece of the philosophy, which states that one of the poisons on the path is mistaking the fact that, or mistaking the idea that you are in control <laughs> and that things are permanent and that things will be certain. And yet, this is what we do. This is what we do. We are under this spell. We attach. I feel like we attach to those ideas. Precisely. Attachment is one of the other poisons on the path. They're known as the kleshas, the uh, obstacles on the path to understanding and comprehension of, of what really is. And so this whole debate that we've seen, this erosion of truth in the public discourse over the last few years has been a really fascinating way for these conspiracy theories to come up to the surface and gain more traction because people are no longer um, having an agreed truth with a capital T. Facts are no longer holding as much gravity as, as they used to. When you hear these conspiracy theories, it's like Dungeons and Dragons meets anarchy meets mass chaos meets whatever else you want to call it. It just really disturbs me that they think that these ideas, and I, I, I should say, I should be more understanding and caring about it and nurturing, but I know we're going through devastating times that are uncertain, but for me, I can't get my mind around any conspiracy theories that don't make any sense to me. Like it's one thing to have a conspiracy theory about aliens and Roswell in 1947. That's just a conspiracy theory. And I can understand that because people want to know, what happened with the, you know, that kind of stuff with an air balloon versus a flying saucer, a weather balloon. But when you start like theorizing about people who are currently alive that are doing public service and they're being villainized and fake yeah. facts versus real facts, which means lies and misinformation, we're smart enough as a general people that we're not going to let that happen.
but it came close. We were on the edge. Right. And to, to segue this too into storytelling, I think that's actually one of the main reasons why some of these conspiracy theories have taken hold over people's psychology and their emotions because stories are powerful. A lot of the QAnon conspiracy theories are very reductionist in nature and they follow the reductionist formula that pretty much every movie, every novel follows, which is that it's good versus evil. And they, and everybody wants to make sure that they are on the side of quote unquote good. So when you pit in a duality um, the the good guys versus the bad guys, it makes it very easy. It simplifies an incredibly complex web of issues that are not easy to parse apart and they're not easy to solve. But what happens is people feel powerless, people feel confused, and the their nervous systems are disrupted and they're emotional. And what will help solve all of those issues for them personally? It's, oh, well, here, we've got this secret information that there are these good guys and there are these bad guys. And what side are you going to be on? And, and it's easy to latch on to that. It's, it's one of the very same reasons why we get swept into movies and sitcoms, right? I remember years oh. ago, Jason, I used to come to your house and we used to watch Game of Thrones together and get yes, all wrapped many up. Many years. Many, <laughs> you're right about that. I'll say this. Okay. There's one thing about watching a show and getting lost and binge watching Netflix and, and being in an alternate reality there. It's a whole other thing to go storm the steps of the Capitol thinking you're doing something for the good of the nature when you're really destroying the fabrics of our institutional democracy. And yet, and, this is how powerful stories are. I, I mean, the story of other people in a particular group being subhuman is the age old story of fascist ideas, right? Otherism. Otherism is the way in which certain groups of people, particularly white supremacists, have been able to maintain oppressive hold over civilization at the expense of other human lives. It's And it comes back to language and it comes back to stories, language is so powerful. Language has the power to either connect us or divide us. And we see it operating on both of those levels. I'll say this. I want to get into your book and get into, I'm sorry, get into your course and get into this other stuff. I know we're going to make this another episode. You could tell we could talk about this and be very <laughs> passionate about it. One thing I've learned since George Floyd's death in the past, you know, I would always, my grandmother raised me or my mom, well, I'm more my grandmother. Don't talk politics. Don't talk religion. Don't talk whatever else, abortion or whatever. And so I never was as outspoken. And then over time, as I got older, especially after last June, I'm outspoken now. I don't shut my mouth. I don't care. I'm not afraid. And we have freedom of speech for that reason. And if people get offended, I have an opinion that I believe in. Well, they could have their opinion and let, let God decide in the future. I'm not worried about it. Right. And truly, it's we have we, we're allowed to think what we think. We're allowed to believe what we believe. I love the astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson. Um, Oh my gosh. He's one of just, he's just incredible. And he is, he's also a very outspoken atheist. I'm not an atheist, um, but, but that's okay. And in a lot of interviews that he's been on, people ask him how he feels about people with very strong religious beliefs that, you know, only believe that the earth is, 
is like 2000 years old or 7000 years old when we have legitimate scientific evidence to the contrary. And he smiles and responds in a way like, well, look, people are allowed to believe what they believe, just like you said, Jason. He says people are allowed to believe what they believe. But gravity doesn't care. <laughs> the, law, the, the, the laws of thermodynamics don't care what you believe. There is still a fundamental truth. The yoga philosophy also points to this, that there is a fundamental quality of truth with a capital T that underlies and pervades all our individual truths. Those might be seen as truths with lowercase t's. And we can even look at this because honestly, things that you and I and the listeners believed to be true 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, we may not necessarily agree with now. We may not believe in now. And so it's really critical for us to remain open and flexible to the fact paradigms. Exactly. Even, even the notions that we hold on to today are, are open to editing. Let I'll just, I'll just say that. Um, and yet going back to yoga, the fundamental core quality, step one of the yoga philosophy is ahimsa, which is compassion. Any effort, any action that you take that is not rooted in ahimsa is in direct violation of yoga. So having empathy for others, even the people, and this is like, you know, where my work comes in, even the people that I disagree with, even the people I, I know, who and I, I'll say from this. me. <laughs> I'll say this. I've had Trumpers that I'm close friends with, and I maintain those friendships as best I can because I do believe people are entitled to their opinions and have those opinions expressed. And just like I'm expressing it right now, if someone in my audience disagrees with my opinion, you can create your own podcast and have your opinion out there. Everyone has a right to an opinion. It's whether or not opinions are grounded in facts. And when your opinions start harming others and killing others, then you got to speak up because if you don't speak up, where are we going to be in history in 20 years when people ask us, what were you doing during that time period? Oh, you were binge watching Netflix. Why didn't you speak up about it? You could have written a tweet. You could have liked a post. You could have done more and volunteer and go protest or actually help people or go help the homeless or do something meaningful, even during a pandemic. What are you doing? Right, right. And I, these are very uh, important questions that I know uh, for, for myself, I've had to reckon with over the past year. And so I've also made a decision that for like my upcoming online course, I'm going to be donating 50% of all of my proceeds to organizations that support um, Asian Americans who are currently and and have been for uh, centuries being targeted and were put in camps in the early 20th century and now, of course, are being murdered in cold blood and since the pandemic have been targeted for hate crimes. So that's just like one small way that I am trying to reconcile. I want to I'm talk sorry. about your course. I'd like us to shift and talk about your course. We'll come back to this another time. I just, we had an opportunity to bring it up and I'm like, why not? We talk about <laughs> this on the important. phone. Yeah. It's important because everything, uh, you know, our lives are not, we don't exist in vacuums and we are all connected and we are all coping with these challenging issues. And it's important, I think, for us to have conversations about it and to explore these difficult topics. It's not, it's not an easy conversation. Not at all. Not at all. But Let's it's, go to your, it's an essential one. Absolutely. And I appreciate you sharing that. I know it takes courage to share your views and stuff. Let's ask about the holy shift. <laughs> well, what uh, is the holy shift and how the heck did you develop it? Let's do, talk about do you it. Like, do you like that title, Jason? I like your play on words for sure. Absolutely. Ah, 
<laughs> very Jersey, you know? Um, <laughs> well, so one of the tools that has always been a support system for me. And your initial question was, how have you been coping with the pandemic this past year? Um, I, I wouldn't, I don't know where I would be without meditation and writing because those two techniques have allowed me to process the swirl of emotions and rage and grief that I have been struggling with and that I know many, many of you out there are also struggling with. And writing truly is an opportunity for inner transformation and outward connection. The word itself, communication, stems from the Latin word communicare, which means to to connect, to bring together, to unite. This is also why words can bring us together or they can push us apart. And I really want to dedicate my life to using language as an opportunity for connection and for understanding and cultivating empathy. Because that's one of the beautiful things about literature and stories. It's that you, you likely have read a story or watched a movie about someone's life from across the globe or who has nothing in common with you. And yet you're crying, you're feeling for them. You want the protagonist to get what they're seeking. And, and that brings us together as a human species. And in this time of disconnection, I feel like stories are this beautiful catalyst because the truth is we could continue to debate and argue with each other. And I could try to convince people who, uh, you know, b believe in whatever they believe in that I'm right and they're wrong. Or I could use the modality of storytelling, which is as old as humanity at itself from the cave walls. We were telling stories, right? Um, World tradition. It's, it's part of our makeup as human beings. And I feel like stories are a much more effective way to help us help each other and, and to help heal these divides that we have between each other. And so my course, The Holy Shift, is this blend of my studies as a former creative writing professor. I bring a lot of what I used to teach my college classes in, but I make... I, I, uh, make it a little bit more resonant for folks who don't want to take a college class and who really want to share in modern ways. So let's say you yourself are a healer or you're intuitive or you are a yoga teacher or something like that. And you feel like you have this message or this story that you want to share and get out there in the world, but you feel stuck and you're not sure where to begin and you don't know how to tell your story or you've got like so many different ideas swirling around in your brain, you're not really sure how to get started. These are really common blocks that a lot of us have in the creative process. And my course takes you step-by-step step to overcome feeling overwhelmed by creative energy, to overcome self-doubt and to really gain the, the specific tried and true tools of creative writing craft with a little bit of marketing as well, because for the last 15 years, I've also worked as a freelance copywriter. So I know how people can actually effectively get their story out there to get results, to have a engagement online, to send out email newsletters that will help people 
to make social media posts that don't feel like you're just being self-indulgent that are actually resonating with your audience. So it's a seven week course, it's all online. And I'm really, really excited to share these techniques. I love teaching this material and it will transform you. That's why I called it the holy shift and it's a sacred transformation. How do you access the class? If someone that's listening to this wants to access or look into it and access your information, where would they find you? All the information is on my website, theyogawriter.com. And um, I also have a free little taste of it. It's called The Seven Writing Secrets. It's a free hour-long workshop that I have created too. And that's also on on my website. And I'll give you the direct link. People can sign up for that free workshop. It'll only be free for a few more weeks. But I can put it in the program notes. Fabulous. This way, yeah, um, and actually, and actually, one of the other things that I know we wanted to talk about today is that it's the spring equinox. Yes, and I have some journaling prompts for the audience too to get started in this writing process. Because even if you don't consider yourself a writer, most of your thoughts are constructed in language. Dare I say, one hundred percent of your thoughts are constructed <laughs> in language, right? And um, what you think, the words, the language that you use to talk to yourself all day long, cultivates your reality. It cultivates your perception of reality, and that also goes back to what we were talking about yeah. earlier: how we can have these vastly different perceptions. Perception. So, so you say that. I was going to say while you're saying that, and perceptions of reality. I was just thinking how words are like, if you think of thoughts are real and thoughts are things, words are the what convey meaning for your thoughts. So exactly. if you're careful with your thoughts and you're careful with your words, you could come across with very positive things in life. If you're irresponsible with your thoughts and irresponsible with your words, you could cause some damage to others and yourself. Exactly, exactly. This is also where mindfulness is crucial in the process because mindfulness techniques teach us to observe our thoughts with compassion. There we go back to step one, to observe with compassion and non-judgment. So even if you have a thought that is frustrated, that's full of rage, you know, why are these people believing this? Why are these people resorting to violence? Why are we fucking killing each other? Sorry if I get, am I allowed to curse on this thing? Yeah, you're fine. We're, awesome. we're, we're fine. We're fine. Okay, great. <laughs> I think um, with something like that, you're allowed to curse an expression of why we're frustrated about life right now. Right. And so then I can also take a mindfulness-based approach to my thoughts and recognize that there is value in anger. There is value in these energies that arise. And then I can also move that anger as fuel toward action to see, okay, well, what can I actually do about this? Action is the antidote to anger, I feel. So it is, it gives you purpose and it empowers you and you feel better about it. Exactly. Exactly. Instead of feeling so powerless and powerless, precisely. Precisely. And I, I think writing is a beautiful way for us to start to develop a more mindful relationship with the words, with the language that we use to talk to ourselves. I have lots of different techniques to, to share with that, that I go through in the course, but um, I just wanted to give a couple of little prompts Absolutely. For, uh, for the theme of the spring equinox since today is uh, we're recording. What I have. Rose quartz. Rose quartz. As you're talking about this stuff, I felt rose quartz. Oh, you too. Look at that. Twinsies. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah. And 
for this season of, at least in the Northern Hemisphere, of growth and renewal. It's an opportunity to start fresh, to work with our intentions, with kindness and love and nurturance. And the metaphor that I want to use, the linguist Daniel Pinker has said that most of us actually think primarily in metaphors. We just don't realize it because metaphors are so ingrained in our way of thinking and therefore our way of being. The way you think is the way you are. So think about it, right? You wake up, you're feeling good, you're happy. You have generally a good morning. A good day, a good morning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you wake up and your, your thoughts are in a very different place, that's going to affect your physical reality. So um, the metaphor of the seed is one that we will anchor into. And why don't, why don't we just take a moment to get centered and take a few deep breaths and I invite you listening to also wherever you are to get centered in your being and to take notice of the breath as it rises and falls. You can imagine your legs, your feet rooting down into the earth, feeling grounded and connected into Mother Earth, this divine maternal energy that represents the wondrous mystery, the vast mystery of which humans are just one part. We're not the directors. <laughs> we're, we're just a thread in, in the whole weave, in the whole web as your roots draw down into that rich soil. And the soil, of course, is where the nutrients are. That's where we draw our strength. That's where we draw from our power. And you might imagine your roots drawing all the way down into the center of the earth, the womb of the earth. Perhaps you imagine this warm, glowing light. Maybe it's a particular color like red or gold. And I invite you to imagine that light energy, that nourishment, and that support to rise back up from the earth and rise up through the soles of your feet, your low legs, your upper legs, swirling across your hips, your belly, and your back, all the way up the column of your spine, through the crown of your head, illuminating your heart, your throat. This divine connection with the earth. And I invite you to breathe into your heart. Maybe you imagine a bit of a mirror of that womb of the earth, that light space in your heart space. Creating this inner sanctuary with which to plant the seed of your intention. Whatever intention emerges for you, and it might not even emerge in words, 
Maybe it emerges as an image or as a feeling. I invite you to plant that seed of your intention right in the sweet, soft soil of your heart. And take a moment to breathe deeply. You might even place a hand over your heart center and feel the breath rising and falling. And take a moment to honor the soil, the the substance from which this intention can grow. All of the things you've had to learn, all of the obstacles you've already overcome, they're like the compost that's needed. Even your shadows, even your pain, even the aspects of yourself and your struggles that you didn't want to look at and you didn't want to admit, it becomes nourishment. It becomes the exact force from which new things can grow. We don't discard our pain. We use our pain. (laughs) Let's take a breath. And exhale with a big sigh. Imagine that seed planted in your heart, encircled in light and gratitude. And if your eyes were closed, you can gently open them and breathe back into your body, breathe back into the room you're in. Sense back into the moment. That's a little meditation. And um, for some journaling prompts, feel free to write down what, um, what your intention was, how it felt, what the seed is that you're planting for spring. And um, yeah, I would love for you to share, Jason. Yeah, why don't you share? And then I'll give the next journaling prompt. Amazing for me was the imagery, uh, letting myself kind of go with the flow of what you were saying. And it, I had literally, I felt imagery of my feet becoming roots, locking into the dark soil of a lush, beautiful place, like a garden or something, like a tropical yes. rainforest, like in Costa Rica, mm. <laughs> like this beautiful, lush, amazing greenery. And I was planted to the earth. And as you said, all the things about planting the seeds into the heart and intention, I feel like the my intentions were authenticity and comfort and security. Like those are my intentions going forward. There's like no insecurity, no inauthenticity, and I'm just comfortable. And I felt like that's my intention going forward from right now into April or what, just my personal intention. And I felt like that's being ushered in by the spring equinox. Today's the first day of spring. I keep forgetting that. It's exciting. Like we've made it through the dark winter. (laughs) A a different Game of Thrones episode in season three. (laughs) Right, right. No pop culture reference, but go ahead. I, I just wanted to tell you that my, my visions were very positive from that just now. Thank oh, you. Good. I love that. And it is, it's so powerful to imagine that we are grounded to the earth because again, our imagination is how we often connect to our feeling and being imagery. It, that's also why what I teach in the course is imagery. That's week one. We start on uh, March 30th and the whole session is about the power of imagery. Imagery is one of the most foundational ways 
for your writing, your language to connect with an audience. So uh, that's true no matter what field you're in, no matter what discipline you're in. It's much more powerful to connect to an audience through images and metaphor than to just, you know, talk in abstractions or tell them what they should do. Like, oh, you should drink more water or something like that. It's, that's not going to affect, that's not going to create an impact, mm. right, that, that someone might be seeking. But if you can tell a story and if you can tap into imagery, then you can tap into people's emotions. And emotions are catalysts for change, for positive change. So the image of getting grounded and connected to the earth is just so healing and helpful, especially these days when so many of us are feeling ungrounded, we are feeling uprooted. There's a, there's a powerful imagistic word to feel uprooted. We don't have roots. So security of the unknown of what's next, right? That was like our horizon for how long? So yes, which as we know, is an illusion. We are not in control. We don't know what the future holds. We are only in control of our minds. And our hearts. How we react and how we categorize these things in our mind. Yeah. Exactly. This very moment for ourselves, for our inner world is all we truly have control over. And the the ancient yogis knew that centuries and centuries ago, fascinatingly enough. Before they had smartphones and Netflix. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. This was their binge watching, their meditation and their visualizations in their mind, right? Binge watching their minds. Exactly. And um, so I think another journaling, uh, another uh, wonderful prompt to journal on, especially for today, it's such an auspicious time. And um, of course, if you're listening to this a few days after the equinox, don't worry, it still it still works. It's still effective to honor the compost, to honor what had to get composted, what had to be let go of what you had to release your attachment to or what struggles you have already overcome so that new creative opportunities can flourish and grow. My favorite word that you've used a few times today and I love nurture. Yeah. If we had more nurturing in our world, uh, I, I think you and I are strong with that in terms of our friendship with each other. We can nurture each other at different moments when we go through these things, but there's a lot of people out there that don't have that. And I think if they can learn to do it through some type of exercise by connecting with nature, yes, it'd be helpful. And you know me, Melissa, how many years we know each other about 10 years. You remember when I was like 10 years ago, I wouldn't go out in nature as much as I do now. I was more like, <laughs> yeah, we've known each other. A challenge. <laughs> oh my goodness. We've known each other for over 10 years, over 10 years, 13, yeah. 14 wow. years. maybe. It's mean, crazy. But think about it where we start and where we head up, where we head to and where we're on our journey. Like I now go mindfully and try to be out in nature as much as possible when I have free time. And years ago, you were trying to bribe me. Let's go to Dairy Queen and then we'll go to the park and we'll get you outside. (laughs) And I don't do Dairy Queen anymore. And now I do the outside and I do the parks and um, I'm all about grounding in nature and healing energy and and crystals and, you know, all the fun stuff we, we thought years ago were unique. (laughs) Right, right. Um, Nature is the teacher. Nature is the teacher because we are nature. We are a part of nature. That's been one of the biggest problems, I think, with our language, with our perception, is that we feel like we are separate from nature and our modern lives certainly reinforce that illusion, but it's an illusion. And so if we start to rethink and reframe our 
ways of relating to nature and our relationship to nature and the fact that we are composed of the same the same stuff as everything else in the universe. I, I love that um, Neil deGrasse, to go back to Neil deGrasse Tyson, um, a, an atheist astrophysicist who happens to use gorgeous poetic language, he says that you are made of the same stuff that was forged in the furnace of a different, of a distant star. And it's true. It's like Carl Sagan said, another atheist astrophysicist. I keep bringing him up today. Carl Sagan said, you were, you are made of star stuff. And it's the truth. We're stardust. I believe you had something about that as a reference in the past of us being stardust. Yes. Yeah. I think it's interesting looking at all this, the spring equinox. It's a time for renewal. And it's ironic now that we're going into a renewal ourselves, right? Inside and out, our society seems like it's doing a renewal after being mm. locked in for a year, most parts locked down. And so we're, I think there's a rebirth occurring. I think there's a renewal. I think it's going to take a good couple months till we start really seeing the big impacts of everything we're trying to do right now as a society and as a country with, the, you know, getting vaccinated and all those kind of things. I go for my second shot next Friday. I'm excited to get it out of the way and to finally like get that part done took my mom yesterday. It's just, it's a good feeling to like put this chapter, you know, I was like our lives to be in a book. I use that book analogy, my metaphor of a book. And I always think that this is going to be that troubled times chapter. You know, every, everybody's life has something like that. And this was our century. And this, hopefully this is, we're nipping it now and we won't have any other troubled times, but it's scary. You know, like the unpredictability of what happened is probably what a lot of people got to work through. And a lot of people got uprooted, like you said, their job failed. They had an illness. They lost a loved one. Whatever it is, whatever uprooted them, they're looking for meaning now. And this kind of exercise through your course and the mental exercises that they can learn to do it inside themselves can help them cope. I think you can give them the tools for reflection, self-reflection and help them cope. And I, I did that kind of on my own before we even like discuss this stuff as a personal exercise. When you're stuck on a couch for a year and all you have to talk to are two parrots, <laughs> you kind of acclimate to understanding your spiritual <laughs> your spiritual journey, uh, you start retreating inwards, you forgive a lot of people, you grow, you know, mm. the fact that I'm growing a beard, you know me, Melissa, I never had a beard in my face ever in all the years you knew me. And you know, one of the reasons was that I had no relationship with my dad and my dad used to wear a beard. So I always associated wearing a beard on my face with my father. Mm. And it was through my forgiving exercises, forgiveness exercises, I should say exercises of forgiveness, maybe that I relived parts of my life with my dad and forgave him because he died seven years ago and he keeps coming to me in a dream asking for me to forgive him and i finally did that and after i did that then all of a sudden i started growing a beard which i'm like okay this is unique mm. but it's just like my own badge of this represents this peach fudge fuzz represents my own badge of growth spiritually to forgive my own dad and I to be able that. to like have one picture of him that i only know the only one of his that exists that i actually like look on it and reflect on it like as when we were alive, he had a relationship with me because spiritually, you and I both know this when we talk about these topics, when you cross over, you're not gone. The energy is still there. Everything that we are, who we are here, it's 99.9% .9 of us there. So he's asking me for forgiveness and I was able to get past that. Mm, and that's so powerful. Like a lot of that reflects on the kind of work you can do with your kind of core. So the holy shift can definitely shift one's focus and give someone the, at least the tools to be armed with to combat these negative impulses inside our brains, the what if thoughts, the worry, the fear, the panic, the negativity. 
Right. Absolutely. And that's a beautiful image. That's how one piece of your soul story is unfolding, right? And we all have multiple stories that our soul is um, writing writing out in this lifetime, in this incarnation. And to think of it, I think to, it's so helpful to zoom out from our personal drama and our emotional turmoil and see it as a greater story. And to see how you're using the image of the beard and your relationship <laughs> with your father as this turning point and this great symbol of transformation. And you're absolutely right that language and story is a way for us as humans to make meaning out of the mystery. And while still recognizing that it's a mystery and not fighting that truth with the capital T. And in fact, cultivating a newer, deeper more beautiful and reverent relationship with the mystery and with and your own soul. Exactly. And I feel like too, when you're able to look at things from a revisionistic point of view with the, with the goal of forgiving and letting go. And so like I, what I did was I had a, I had a cell phone on my yeah, real cheap here, but I had my phone and I used my voice memo dictation thing. And what I did was I basically meditated and let myself wander to the memories that were my most painful ones with my dad, for example. And I remembered when he was drunk and we had a drunk driving accident when I was three years old and we had to, you know, deal with that or the various things he did as a neglectful father from his use of drugs and alcohol, where I came and grew up in a single parent family mm -hmm. and all those memories and all that stuff, it was heavy on me at first. And then I realized in a revisionist point of view that it was meant to be released because holding on doesn't do anything. He's been gone seven years. What's holding on to that negativity going to do for me now as an adult in my mid forties, nothing. So by letting go, it, it freed my soul in so many ways to let new things come in, new energy, new love, new life, new friends, new opportunities. It also helps you to help others right. and empower others. When you are able to free up your own negativity, your own baggage, you're going to be pretty good in helping empowering other people in your life because you see the value of the relationships. You see the value of the meaning of the words and the, and, and the methods and, and in terms of your, how you look at the world around you, you know, and I think that that's where I'm at right now. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not anywhere near where I want to wind up. I still like, I think I'm in chapter four of my own book, meaning I'm 45. I like uh -huh. to say I have a nine or 10 chapter book, but we'll see. You never know, but I'm going to make the, the best of my chapters that I have. Exactly. That's beautiful. That's so beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. I love that. Let's talk, let's talk about where you're going next. Share with our audience what's coming up for you. What are your goals? So one of my big, uh, my, one of my intentions that I'm planting on this for the spring equinox is to reconnect to my creative energy and to be and, and to come back to writing from a place of pure joy without any expectation of how it needs to look or how it needs to be. And because that's the, that's what I've always loved. I've always, I always love to write. I always love to tell stories. I, I love to tell stories even before I could write. I was drawing picture books and wrapping them in wrapping paper and stapling them together in Staten Island where I grew up. And I, I even had my own um, book readings to our Labrador. She was my, my only audience, <laughs> captive audience. So I, this is a part of my, my 
basic DNA. It's who I am. I love this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. For some reason, as you're talking, it reminds me when we first spoke about your aunt with you dancing that time. Yes. Yes. Yeah, of course. Of course. I'll never forget the first time we met and you brought up. Can you share that for a minute? (laughs) Something's being brought up about that. Sure. Sure. About what do you want me to share about? When we first met each other about what happened with that whole side anecdote. Briefly. Yeah, well, we we met through our mutual friend Lindsay, and uh, she was hanging out at your house, your apartment, and she's um, also a psychic medium and very yes. successful in her own right. Absolutely, and um, there were a couple of people hanging out in your your condo, and I. <laughs> She told me your address and I came over for the very first time. That wine night? Was that one of our wine nights we used to do? I think so. Yeah. And you looked at me and we'd never met before. And you said, (laughs) "Um, your aunt wants to know how's the old couch. And I immediately started crying because my aunt Florence had passed away for a, f- a few years at that point. And she, when my cousins, her daughters were kind of divvying up her, her furniture and whatnot, me and my two girlfriends who were living together at the time, we needed <laughs> furniture for our apartment. And I remember them. <laughs> so, um, cool she, so we have her, we had her couches you just blurted that out and I you know this is what happens when most people meet Jason they usually start crying within like the first five minutes because they'll say something that just cuts through all of the the pretense right and and actually that's where also where imagery is so powerful because as a psychic as a medium yourself you typically connect with imagery from people right about that parades i call it like parades like i right. images, words or objects or references whatever it is right it's the imagery of the life that has been lived that connects us that connects the loved one that's still here on the earth plane with the person who's gone bef- gone ahead and it's that imagery that makes them cry. It's the imagery that cultivates that deep resonance. It's almost like a guitar string being plucked in your heart, yes. you know, it's, um, and that's what makes us recognize the truth. I'm going to say one observation. The reason I brought that up as you were talking, I feel like your aunt wanted to pop in and say hi and bring that reference. Cause how often do I bring that up to you? Hardly ever. At no, all. Yeah. Hardly yeah, ever. I never brought that up about how we met. I, I usually don't remember when I say things, you know, that I'll, I'll blurt something out and then move on to the next topic. And then you know, later on, people come back and remind me what I may have said or something, but I feel like she's supportive of what you're doing. And I just need to comment that when I met you then compared to where you are now, the transformation that you've got undergone and the transformation where you're headed, I see you doing a lot of very positive things going forward. You're going to publish a lot of books. You're going to have your own courses and you're going to be successful. So just know that I'm kind of incorporating that in my interviews a little bit. When I pick up energy like that, I want to share it, especially during the interview, because I feel like I see those things. And I, I think you're going to have a very constructive 2022. 2021 is going to be flying by for you. You're going to travel. You're going to see, like, I don't know if you're going to go back to Europe, but I feel like you'll probably take a trip over to Europe with mm, Ryan. I and would love that. Yeah. Another Italy trip or something in the south of Spain or something. I feel like you want to go southern, the southern countries again or something. Mm. But it's going to be good. And stay stay positive because I see the positive things. I know you feel them too. And I've also told you off record when we talk that I believe you're intuitive as well within yourself. Because when we talk and you bring up certain things during conversation, I'm like, how would you know that? But for X, Y, Z, you're intuitive. So I always challenge you personally to you know grow that intuition because you could help a lot more people than just what you do already. And you already do a lot. You're a light worker. 
light workers help people. They bring light to the dark. That's what we are meant to do. So I, I just want to let you know that. We also have to definitely talk about more spiritual topics. So I know you have a wealth of opinions and I like to share that with my audience. And that's one of the things I'm doing now with these extra episodes is opening the platform up to other people I know in my life that can share valuable information and insight with the audience, as well as letting the audience become participatory through the call-in shows that I have. You know, it's going to be called Socialize with Social, uh, Jason Zook. And we've gone through four episodes and I'm working with the format, but I'm envisioning different things. And I'm just excited about having an open mic and giving that two-way street to the platform, not just them listening to me, blah, 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 on a, you know, on a, on a microphone for an hour or 45 minutes, but letting them any member of the audience that has um, some opinions, I, I welcome that, you know, and, and Melissa, I want to leave this as an open platform for you as well. And I'd love to have you collaborate with me more. Uh, we're building up the YouTube channel. That's why we're doing a zoom call so that we can offer this on, on the YouTube channel. And then we're also working with the podcast as well. And I'm going to start cross promoting those better. And you mentioned earlier how you do marketing stuff. That's what I'm working on in the future as well as just being able to tie things together better. Yes. You know, I have- can help you. We can work together. We will. Um, and of course, I would love to collaborate more with you. I so appreciate you. You've been one of my best friends for the last, gosh, over a decade, 13 what? years, maybe. I'm looking at things revisionistic now at this stage of my life. And I'm like, not re- like looking back on the past. I'm like, you're an important part of my journey. You're a part and part of my story. So of course, I want to maintain that relationship because of how amazing you've been as a friend all these years. And every friendship has they're trying moments, but we've overcome all those and, and, and come out more beautifully than ever before and stronger than ever before. And I'm so excited to have you in the future and see what your potential is going to be when you realize it and see it yourself. Cause I see it. Thank you. That's the beauty of story, right? Every, every story has obstacles in it. Unfortunately, I wish it wasn't like that, but that's the way it, is. it just is what you it know? is. But... Like you said, our friendship has gone through it's dark nights of the soul. And um, that's what every story, that's what every story has. How boring how boring would our story be or how boring would anyone's story be if they just had monotony every day with no challenge? I mean, people want to know what kind of challenges you had in your life as compared to being born with a silver spoon in your mouth and squandering hundreds of millions of dollars and then getting elected president of the United States and ruining country. But, you know, I have my own opinions, of course. My jabs are which, which I'm, I'm really vague on those, Jason. You haven't really been clear on your opinion. I'm just kidding. My shirt. I'm joking. <laughs> I know. I love your shirt. Your shirt is fabulous. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And if anyone in the audience doesn't see the video, I have a shirt that says science is real. Black lives matters. Um, no human is illegal. Love is love. What's the other one? That women's human rights are human are rights. Right. What are the other two? Kindness is everything. Here we go. I, I bought this shirt last summer and I hardly wore it. And today I felt inspired to wear it and show it to you because I figured every one of these statements we both believe in very strongly. So why not? Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to thank you for coming on. Before we end the episode, if you're in an elevator, right? No cell phones. Let's pretend it's 1998. <laughs> But you're not your age in 1998. You're like now. Okay. okay. So we're back in time. I'm transporting you back in time to 1998 in an elevator. And you're stuck in an elevator with somebody. And the person looks over and you both realize you're stuck. And you're not going to get out of there for a good 20 minutes. And they want you to tell a story. And they ask you, what's your best story you would tell and why that describes you and who, what you represent? Mm. Oh, my gosh. Jason, how much time do we have? Oh, right. I've, I'm in an elevator. Okay. It's an elevator. Um, so... The story would be of uh, me 
grasping for happiness outside of myself, always thinking that the next accomplishment, the good grade in school or the <laughs> success, the book published, that's going to that's going to be the thing that's going to give me the deep sense of ease that I have always been seeking in my life. When I was um, in high school and actually, actually more when I was in middle school, I suffered from clinical depression pretty badly. And I used to carve into the desks inner peace because that's what I was seeking. I've never shared that like no, with anybody. Share that story with me. No. Um, yeah. I used to just like sit there in class, like obviously not wanting to be in school, wanting to be anywhere but school, carving um, inner peace because it seemed like the farthest thing away from me. And I was desperate for it, but I was also under the illusion that it existed outside of myself. And so it wasn't until I was 20, Two, and I had started attending Buddhist meditation classes in the back room of a metaphysical shop in South Tampa. And um, I think I brought you to a couple of those, Jason. We, uh, there was one, yes. Is that where I had the premonitions? And I started telling you guys about these different premonitions. And yeah, I believe we, we did a couple of guided meditations and we had the sound bowls too. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, so, so I used to go to these Buddhist meditation classes and, the, and they were led by a monk and he would say, inner peace exists within you, which like those of us who've been on the path for a while, we know that now it's, <laughs> it's, it's the fundamental truth. And yet for me at 22, that was radical. I'd never heard that before. I'd never been taught that before. I'd always been taught that your happiness will come with the next relationship or the next accomplishment or the next external validation when that's bullshit. It's bullshit. And your happiness is available to you right here, right now, that everything that you have been seeking is available to you right here, right now. So that was the start. That was like the great turning point of my story. And everything since those moments has been me trying to live from that place of truth, which is freaking hard, by the way. It's not like somebody, some monk tells you, by the way, inner peace exists within you. And you're like, oh, great. Happy forever now. No problems. Um, there's a lot of unlearning that has to take place. And that's been my practice. It's interesting because if someone was asking me the same question and I'm in the same elevator, but in, in your place, my book would probably be resiliency because mm. after dealing with a lot of challenges and, and I guess just challenges is a good way to say it, it, it's having the ability to look at your challenges, prioritize them and then figure out where to go next. And I feel like there's some big stuff up ahead for me and you both, but in general and all the challenges that we had from the past are going to fall away. Mm. They're not going to be as relevant anymore because of the, the reset button in my mind that has helped me manifest things more clearly with intention, helped me to be clearer with my goals and expectations. And I think the biggest lesson I've learned since 2019 from an amazing person that I met around September of 2019 was the word patience and, and appreciating divine timing. Because you can meet somebody for even a split second. And if they set you on a different course within yourself for positive energy, growth, and healing. It's a massive, massive thing. Mm. And so the resiliency would be my, my example, but that's still just right now because going forward, resiliency is only one step. Right. And full 
I'd like to say full realization coming out of the cocoon. I, I was, I had a guest on last week and it was an amazing, uh, just having an opportunity of having different viewpoints presented. And it's like the, the, the idea of, um, and, and, uh, I'm sorry, let me, I'm stuttering for a second. A caterpillar going into a cocoon and coming out as a butterfly with transformation and everything. Those are so important to think about with thoughts, meaning, and interpreting. And I think we've all come out, we're all coming out of these cocoons that we were imposed into. And now we're going to be these beautiful butterflies that are going to, you know, open our wings, grow, and flourish. That's my goal for 2021 into the future. It's an appropriate metaphor for spring, especially too, right? Breaking free of the, the chrysalis. Um, and it was a metaphor that I, I used in some of my meditations. Uh, since the pandemic, I've been teaching primarily online and I love it. And I teach uh, meditation and pranayama or breathing techniques to help us shift our energy. And the, the thing about the chrysalis being in the cocoon is that the metamorphosis that has to take place for the caterpillar to become the butterfly is that it literally has to boil itself down to its most essential parts. Like it is a hideous process, the bottom, right? Like and we all like, we're like, like, yes, a butterfly is so pretty, but like that thing, <laughs> to, the transformation. <laughs> it, transformation is not the yeah. way the media often depicts it on, or the way people show it on their social media accounts. It's like, oh, I'm transforming and it's really <laughs> lovely, and I'm at the beach with my arms wide open. Like, no, transformation is hideous, and you will cry, and it is painful, and you will get, you'll wake up at four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yes, you will shake your fists at the sky and you will be confused and that you're in it. You're in it though. And it's just as important as the other piece of the story. Absolutely. I just want to make a reference earlier. Brandon Beecham was my guest last week that did this whole amazing description of the caterpillar, caterpillar with the butterfly. And I was blown away by it. And the fact that we could bring that up now, it just shows the importance of recognizing the imagery, the meaning, the words, because every one of us can connect with a butterfly and a caterpillar. Exactly. And if exactly. you look at things before last year, we were all butter, we were all caterpillars, and now we're going to become butterflies, right? After boiling ourselves inside and languishing in our own juices and having, <laughs> like, like I'm thinking about a butterfly in a cocoon and having to just deal with, you know, boiling away your old purging, your, your negative qualities and growing from there. Exactly, exactly. And, and it isn't just like a one and done situation. The author, Catherine May, she has an incredible book out, Wintering, and she writes that, you know, winter, conversely, is the season where we go inside, we draw within, we get into the cocoon, we, we restore and rest and receive, or at least that's how it's depicted in nature. Humans don't abide as well by those cyclical rhythms and the, the intelligence of nature, though we should. She also says that a wintering can happen in spring. A wintering can happen in the middle of summer. So I also want to speak to anyone listening who isn't quite feeling like they're ready to bust free and spread their wings. Like, no, there's still more healing to do. There's still, there's still more that I need to turn inward and go deep within. I want to honor that too. And, and speak to that. Cause I know that is how a lot of us are feeling. It's, it's both, it's both. You can spread your wings and still be doing the work simultaneously. Absolutely. I feel like during gaps in time with this last year, I was inward a lot. Like I 
it went, I mean, these weeks are going so fast. These months are going so fast. I almost feel like we hit a re, a, a fast forward button. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. we're going to April of 2021. What? I know it's crazy. It's, it's really, <laughs> it's really speed. It's time. Time is, is speeding <laughs> for sure. But um, we're always in it. We're always your, in the moment. Repeat your website one last time. TheYogaWriter.com. Melissa, I want to thank you for coming on. I appreciate you. I want to welcome Melissa Carroll for coming on the show today. Uh, we had an obviously interesting discussion at the beginning about the current uncertainty of our times. And sometimes those conversations are so important, even just express it and let it out. I want my audience to know that those are my opinions. I stand by them. But if you have an opinion that contradicts mine, I respect that 100%. We have civility. And that's why we're in a democratic society, freedom of speech with norms and mores that allow us to express our minds without fear of retribution. And witnessing attacks on Asian Americans, it, it devastates me. And it makes me horrified that we're living in a country where innocent people are being singled out and scapegoated for something they shouldn't be. And as a world, we need to take a better step. As Americans, we need to step up and protect our fellow citizens from this kind of horrendous atrocity. I don't know what else to call it. So I just want to challenge anyone in our audience to think about these things. Take the glasses off. You know, last, last summer, I got directed to go to some of the Black Lives Matter protests, and I met amazing people there from my own spirit guides who guided me there. And it transformed my viewpoint on a lot of things. And any of you who might be on the fence thinking about all these issues, I just, before you scapegoat somebody, try to find an Asian American and see what they're like. Talk to an African American, talk to transgender people, speak to gay people, find women who have had sexual harassment or misogynistic experiences with our culture. Those people can tell you what they've gone through or what they're going through. And, and that might help transform your paradigm more importantly than anything else. The reason I wanted to have Melissa on today to talk about not only her new course, but also to talk about not just the holy shift, because I feel like our entire country is going through a holy shift right now, which we'll see later. But it's so important to think of these things, because right now you can. You've been able to think about a lot of things the last 12 months, probably being consumed, some of you, by some theories or some uh, scapegoating. And instead, you should challenge yourself to think of compassion and love and caring for anyone in our world that suffers right now because we've been through enough. We've suffered enough. It's time to turn the page. And that starts with how we conduct ourselves. Words are powerful. Thoughts are powerful. Check out Melissa's course, The Holy Shift. Creative writing mixed in with yoga and spirituality and meditation are very positive things. They're all healing modalities for the soul, for the mind, and for each other. So with that, I will say it's spring equinox. So like Melissa said, use your intention, plant the seed in your heart, let it grow and flourish. You'll be surprised light years in progress that you can make within your soul and within your heart or mental constraints, I should say. Those are things that I believe heavily in. When I went to college, one of the words that emanated mostly my first year of school was the word paradigm. And that word hits me very strongly now because paradigms are the most important thing we have to make sense of our world after living in four years of misinformation and chaos and confusion. So I challenge each of you to take your words, think what you say on social media, even thoughts are things, words are things, our mental constructs and paradigms are so important for us. You wouldn't leave your house without wearing your underwear right side up. Try not to leave your mouth with words that don't represent what you feel and what you believe. 
stay positive because when you're positive, anything's possible. I thank you for tuning into this episode. More episodes are on the way. And I welcome anyone in my audience that has an opinion about something that you want me to be considering for a guest or any type of topic. I would love to welcome you to email me at info at the letter D, socialpsychicradio.com. Until next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Social Psychic Radio Show. Don't forget to join us for another episode next time. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on iTunes. You can also check us out on Facebook and don't forget to visit the Social Psychic YouTube channel. Until next time, it's a big world out there. Keep an open mind, embrace your paradigms, and know that the universe is always yours to explore. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An electric cast production. See you there. Electric Cast. Hey there, I'm DC. I host the rock podcast, Back to the Arena, The Interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock fan like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, the interview. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.